Hello, you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. All right, welcome back everyone to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. I am your host, Mr. Brandon Elliott. I am super excited today because we have a special guest that really went from the real estate investing side to being the bank. His experience was not just a couple rental properties. He had 35 rentals at one point, 10 flips. He was an experienced real estate investor, right? And we could talk about that all day, but he realized that, hey, I don't want to be doing this active work. I'm not as passionate about it and realize the end goal is really to become the bank. And that's what I really try to promote and show you guys each and every day is identifying yourself of like how the banks are thinking, flip the script, get all the capital in the world that you deserve and, and you're entitled to once you get those funds that put it to work. And this gentleman has done exactly that. He's got some crazy stories behind it. You know, one of their biggest, you know, funding that they've done with hard money and private money has been a $22 million flip lending out on such, you know, investments like that. So you guys could potentially utilize his services as well. He's local in the uh, California, Southern California region. So really excited just to be able to dive in with this gentleman. And yeah, I definitely want encourage you guys to reach out to him afterwards and really get the missing pieces put together. So without further ado, Byron, what is up, my friend? How are you today? Good, man. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Um, so do me a favor. Anybody out there that doesn't know who you are, a little bit more about your story, do you mind just diving into it and sharing with us in the audience? Yeah, of course. So my name is Byron Enriquez, Southern California native been in the finance world now for wow, I want to say going on 20 years. Yeah. I know it looked like I'm still 2021. 20, <laughs> yeah, the baby face. But yeah, I've been in the business for about 20, but over a little bit over 20 years in all aspects of finance. Got started in my career doing foreign exchange trading actually out of right out of college. I was a forex trader, uh nice. trading securities and just being in, in the banking side of it had a, a desire or kind of family push, if you will. I had a lot of family in real estate. They encouraged me to get into the real estate field, which I did, you know, being as, as an agent, you know, this is like early, my early twenties realized really quick that I was not meant to be a realtor all hands down to that profession. It's just, it's not me, you know, and I, and I couldn't do it. And, you know, I had a, right. I, you don't I want to show properties each and every day. You right? know what? That, that literally wasn't, I'm a numbers guy. First of all, my social aspect of it is, is a little bit lacking. I'm, I'm more of a introvert numbers, just that's just what I do. Yeah. I had a finance background, you know, try to go out there and, you know, Hey, let me show you this house. And just, it wasn't, I was not what I was called to do. Let's just say, put it that way. Yeah. yeah. But I you you know, to I identify a, your calling from the beginning, right? Like you don't want quick. to go down the path yeah, that's not it, it satisfying was, you. But it was funny. I, I actually had somebody have to kick me in the butt to say that, you know, I had a, a mentor, some this older gentleman that I used to have coffee with every couple of mornings at a coffee shop. And he was in commercial real estate and he kind of looked at me one day and he's like, why are you selling houses? He goes, you have a finance background. You're a banker. You should go into the mortgage side. And he clicked and I did, you know, started going into the, started doing mortgage. And that's where my career really started was just, you know, doing sales and doing mortgages. Like I said, 
20 years ago, right? Early 01, 02, give or take. And we did well, right? We did, did well, got to the point where I was maybe 25, 24, 25, and I started my own mortgage company. You know, started doing really well, had about 100, 150 employees, killing it. I mean, doing, doing some great stuff. And that's when I started doing some real estate investing. And it's all started out for deals that kind of fell in our lap, right? You know, as owning a mortgage company, you get, you know, transactions that kind of come up all the time, which we did. You know, I had two business partners and we started buying properties and some rentals, some flips. So we did a little bit of everything, right? It got to a point where we did, we owned about 35 rentals at any given time. And then I had to hire a property manager, had to hire a landscape. And it was just, it was turning into this whole other business, taking away from what we were doing. You know, and this was at the at the peak of the mortgage boom, and we were busy, like right? really busy. Yeah. So yeah, we kind of did a little bit of everything. But you know, like I tell people, my story has that roller coaster effect that a lot of people in this business do have as well. Yeah. You know, when 08, 09 hit and the market kind of crashed and the mortgage side of it, you know, we were, like I said, we were booming. We were doing some great things, great numbers out here in Southern California, doing, I don't know, somewhere along the lines of like, you know, 25, 30, 40 million dollars in business a month. And then all of a sudden, you know, doing these deals and the mortgage business imploded and all our sources that we sold on the secondary market went out of business. And then all of a sudden I owed my bank $25 million. Yeah. Yeah. Something light, right? Something really, you know, so it was, you know, so I resonated, I've I've heard a few of your your episodes, you know, when you talk about, you know, having to work your your way up and, and having to, you know, struggling and, you know, trying to find your niche and, and really being able to pull yourself back up. And, and I definitely resonated with that episode of yours, you know, because that's what I had to do. I love it. And I think like most entrepreneurs, like nothing, nothing comes that's good in life easily, right? Like whoever is selling that pipe dream of like, wow, this is going to be, you're going to be a multimillionaire overnight. Yes, that it's happened to very few people, you know, that's the exception. It's not the rule. There's going to be adversity, long story short. And I'm really excited to hear more about your story. I know you're first generation immigrant as well. So family came over here and and that just speaks so much volume as well. I feel like people that come from different countries, man, their work ethic is like next level. And then the businesses start and then like the compound behind that and not relying on the government or anything else. Like a lot of people that have just been born here unfortunately get used to, you know, the handouts, right? So no, definitely. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of pride, you know, and there's a lot of love for the country and for the opportunities that we've given, you know, our parents, my parents, you know, coming over, you know, and seeing them work hard, you know, really, really, really bust their asses, you know, to make a better life for us, you know, kids and, and seeing that, right. And, you know, taking that into like, look, you know, I got to make my family proud, but then there's also something within the immigrant community where it's like, you go and you, as myself, you know, an entrepreneur, you go and start a business and you get some pushback because they're always like, well, why don't you go get a real job? You yeah. know, why, don't, why don't, you know, you're smarter. Why did you leave the bank that you were at? You were a foreign exchange trader. You were doing very well. Why do you go struggle to not knowing where your next paycheck is coming from? Sure. Well, that's that old way of thinking that like, you know, they were raised on yes. like go to school, get like a banker job, you know, or like, you know, work for the guy that owns the bank, not actually yes. be the guy to own the bank. You know, yeah. they don't, no, they don't and, even see and, the possibilities, right? No, I know. I remember I remember when I got my first job, you know, as a banker, you know, and you know, my, my family was just proud. They were like, oh, wow, you, you know? made it, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, a year later, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go on my own. And they're like, what? You know, why Why would you do that? But yes, it's seeing that, look, you know, it's, it's I don't want to be the guy working for somebody. I want to be the guy that people are working for. 
Yes. I love it. And you build up something incredible. I mean, a hundred plus employees, you're saying 40 million per month. If you don't mind me asking, like roughly what were the actual like numbers coming in that were actually like profitable out of the crazy numbers like that? Wow. Uh, I mean, yeah, those were some crazy times. Yeah. I mean, I think at our peak, like I said, and we had, I had two business partners, so it's all, you know, diluted. So it's three ways, but I mean, there's months we cleared in excess of each a hundred thousand dollars revenue wise, you know, each. And that's paying salaries, paying overhead, paying our rental properties, you know? Yeah. So (laughs) no, it's, yeah, it was an interesting time, but definitely an interesting time. I love it. So Let's talk about the investing side for a second. Obviously, you know, you did the Forex trading, you did the agent side, you did the banking side. You realize, you know, I'm not as passionate about certain things. The banking, obviously, you started falling in love with, but you're like, you know, I took what I needed from these guys. Now I'm going to start my own thing. I'm curious about the investing side. As these opportunities were coming in, you're cherry picking the best ones or taking those opportunities to start stacking up too many. What were the things that really, started being the light bulb moments of like, wow, this is getting too overwhelming. The systems aren't in place or whatever it may be that I don't want to do the investing side anymore. I'd rather be the bank. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's interesting. So like I said, so it wasn't my original business plan, right? I'm, I'm a yeah. big planner and big, yeah. like to met my metrics and my data and like to follow my path. I'm a numbers guy, KPI, you know, and property. Yeah. yeah. Right. Numbers don't lie. So, you know, a property fell in our lap, you know, and so, so I bought it said, you know what, I'm going to rent it out. So we started doing that, you know, and then another property came up and was like, oh, this one needs some, you know, needs, you know, 50 grand of rehab, you know, so I'm like, all right, let's do it. You know, we were able to flip it and make a decent amount of money, bought another property in Studio City. And then again, you know, we made some money on it. And I was like, okay, you know, and my two business partners were like, well, we should really be focused on this. And I focused more on the mortgage side of it, keeping the company going. And they kept bringing deals and I found a way to finance them. And that's kind of how... I cut my teeth in that side of it, learning how to leverage, you know, other people's money to be able to finance real estate. Right. And we did that. We did it a smart way. This is way before these fix and flip loans were around. This was way before any of that was around. So we self-financed a lot. We had some warehouse lines and we had some, some ability to do some stuff for ourselves. But next thing I know, you know, I turn around and, you know, like I said, we own 32 to 35 rentals. I forgot what it was. And me being the numbers guy, I was still trying to manage collecting rent payments, you know, do all the stuff that I shouldn't be doing, right? I was, I was kind of diluting my time. Uh, so we hired a property manager and I said, all right, let's do this. I hired a full-time like handyman. We hired a full-time realtor to kind of list the properties for rent and did this. And next thing I knew, I had this whole other venture sure. you know, that, that was there. That your partners are putting on you to manage. <laughs> that's exactly it. Yes. You yeah. know, it, it really... It's in the business. I'm the guy that gets things done. So we had, you know, these guys kept bringing out ideas and opportunities, which are great, right? Because we're making money off of them. Yeah. But I just felt that I was stretching myself too thin. Sure. And, and the truth is, we actually probably would have kept going, except that the other two business partners had a falling out, not a nice one. Um, so we all decided to, you know, sell everything off, close the yeah. business and walk away. So it was more of a personal thing where all that happened to be coincidentally, but while the market, mortgage market was crashing, 08, 09, you know, and then we're, you know, that, I think that had a lot of effect on the personal stuff that was happening between the, both of those gentlemen, you know, you know, all of a sudden getting the $25 million bill does that to people, yeah, right? Yeah. It starts, starts, uh, the tensions up there at that point. Definitely. So, 
So you're in the LA County area? Or- yeah, Southern California. So we're, we're in Agora Hills, Calabasas area. That's where okay, we're in cool. yes. Love it. And I love that area. Very nice. So let's talk about the partnership, how that dissolved. And you don't need to go too far into detail or anything. Just curious for some takeaways for some of the listeners that might be thinking about starting partnerships. They can be an amazing blessing and vice versa. They can be a nightmare and really making sure you're setting yourself up for success upfront in the beginning can help a lot of negotiating where that's going to go, you know, like which side you're going to take here. I've been in on both sides, great partnerships, other ones that screwed me over. So mm-hmm. yours was a three-man right. team. It started, it started as two and then we took on a third partner when we merged with another company that we bought. Okay. Uh, so we, we kept one of the owners. And here's what I tell people. Look, I, I think partnerships are great, right? Because yeah. if you can surround yourself with people that can complement you and you know bring on other things that you that you lack, that forms a great partnership. Right. But I think, and this is the, my takeaway, and you know what I'll what I'll share with your with your viewers is, is this to create a successful partnership, you need to know the intentions, you need to know how the other person is going to react to a adversity, being in difficult situations. Yes. Um, a big thing is also work ethic. You know, if I'm the guy that works, you know, 10 hours a day, but the other partner decides to work three hours a day, there's going to be a rift, you know, as in look, if we're equal partners, but I'm doing this and you're doing you're playing golf all day, how does that work? Not saying that there's something wrong with either way to do it, but as long as you have that conversation ahead of time and you're aware, look, here's my expectations is that I'm going to hire somebody to do this or I'm going to do it myself, right? And it's and if I think if you have that clarity going into the situation, that that sets the groundwork for a proper partnership. That's so good. I think just identifying what roles are going to be played from each individual. And like you mentioned for your first tip really is having each other complement whatever the other individual is lacking. Like you don't both want to be experts or not just experts, but like really enjoy doing the one thing in the business together. Like that would be horrible because there's so many other areas of the business that's going to lack that, you know, it just wouldn't make sense for that type of partnership. But if one person is excellent in sales, the other person is excellent in lead generation or whatever, you know, and they both enjoy those things drastically then just having those expectations up front of like, cool, what are you responsible for? And then if I, out of my earnings of, you know, my percentage, I delegate all of it and I systemize it and I manage those individuals and I work, you know, an hour a week, are you going to be okay with that? Like, as yes. it's, you know, if the, if the business is functioning fine and I'm responsible and it's coming out of my portion of profits, then by all means, I, I think uh, just having that clarity and understanding of front and having that full transparency, that's what really separates the craziness and bad relationships and, and the good relationships, right? Yeah, there's that. And then the second thing that I always tell people, because I get, you know, part of, you know, one of the things that we do now is, you know, we obviously lend to to investors who are investing in property. But you know, one of the things that we can, that we do or that I do is that I can give some advice or kind of help people along the way, because I've been there and I've done it, right? I've yeah. flipped some properties, I've owned rentals, yeah. I've structured deals and I've done well, you know, but one of the things that I always talk to people about is also, you know, when they're telling me, oh, look, I'm bringing on a partner because I need, you know, some gap financing or we're looking for this or whatever the case is, right? I always say, and they're like, well, yeah, it's a buddy from high school and he's going to do this and we're going to, I'm like, that's all fine and dandy. That's great. Yeah. Put it in writing. Yeah. You know, it, it's no matter how level of friendship you have, money corrupts situations. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey guys, we're short 20 grand, everybody pony up. 
or hey, we made a little bit extra, but I put in extra work or whatever the case is, it's, you know, put it all in writing. And I've had these conversations with people that, you know, I started other partnerships for other businesses at, at times or other ventures, you know, and I would say, hey guys, look, I know we're, we're friends and I want to keep it that way. So before we go down the road, let's set, let's set the parameters to our partnership so that there is no miscommunication down the road and nothing's ever going to happen, right? And as long as you have that difficult conversation up front, it prevents even harder conversations later. That's so good. Yeah, I think like you might you may have the most amazing relationship with your best friend until you work with each other or until like you live with each other, you know, like, oh, yeah. uh, you know, roommates, stuff like that. Like there's there's just new levels of adversity or like just certain things you guys start disagreeing on or, or button heads. So, you know, making sure that you have it in writing you, you identify what you guys are responsible for and kind of really seeing, you don't need to jump into a relationship very quickly, but over time, identify like, how do they really react when all hell breaks loose? You know, like, are they going to be nervous? Are they going to be freaking out? Are they cool, calm and collected and, you know, think before they act or are they irrational and, and make crazy decisions on the fly that could sink a ship? So yeah. being aware of all these things can really make or break a relationship. And over time, like you got, you know, it didn't work out, unfortunately. Is there, have you guys rekindled anything or anything in the future, or you just went your own separate way? Those two were knuckleheads and did their own thing. Yeah. So those two were knuckleheads. You know, I've never had any issues with either one of them. And I've stayed in contact with position to be in, you know? (laughs) Well, yes and no. Yes. Yes. And the fact that I, you know, no, no animosity, no, no, but yet I was the peacemaker for a lot of situations, right? Or so that's not good. Uh, but yeah, you know, actually everybody went in different directions. The other two completely got out of the business, you know. So I'm the, you know, I still talk to one of them you know, periodically, and and he's like, why, you know, why are you still doing that, you know? And you know, just kind of just joking around. He's like, yeah, still, you're still balls, in the business. And I'm like, this is what I know, and this is what I love, you know. And and, and I've done pretty well at it. So I love that. Yeah. I mean, you're not a quitter. That, that's what you got to tell them. You know, <laughs> sorry, bro. I'm not a quitter. When shit hits the fan, I keep pushing through and get it done. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's exactly, that's exactly it. So for any of the listeners, if they don't know they're a real estate investor, whatever it may be, what type of products lending are you mostly focusing on? Is there a certain niche that you like that's your bread and butter or very diverse in all areas of, of private money lending, hard money lending. Yeah. So, I mean, we're very diverse in the fact that we can do anything, right? We can do oh. all of it, but our focus is on the private money. I don't like the word hard money, but it's the private money world. And the reason I say, say I don't like hard money is because we've built something a little bit different than your traditional hard money source. You know, we're, oh, right. we're in the sense that we're professional, right? We're going to give you, you know, all this, all our stuff goes through law firms, legal, you know, loan docs are drawn drawn by lawyers. Uh, Our servicing department is websites you can make payments on. Um, You know, you get your statements every month. Um, It's not, we're not, um, you know, you know, back in the days when I started in the business, the hard money guys, if you, you know, you missed a payment, you had to knock on your door, right? That's just, it was, was was yeah, it was, you know, and it has a bad connotation, I think, but me coming from the corporate banking world, I wanted to build something that, you know, gave some flexibility on lending parameters but it gave us still a sense of professionalism, a state of, you know, of, look, you know, you're dealing with a real legitimate company. You're dealing with an organization that's going to treat you properly. That's going to has your security, your privacy in mind, all of the stuff that you get that you would get from one of the big banks, 
you know, we do it at a smaller scale. Yeah. You know, we're a lot more mobile. We're more nimble. We can move around and, and identify market changes. Like when COVID happened and you know, yeah. a lot of people started to stop lending, we made a, a quick pivot and we you know, tripled our business in the next two months, right? Love because it. we were able to identify some, some market changes and, and be able to follow up with that. Yeah. But yeah, so in the private money world, we focus on obviously uh, investors, right? That's, that's our bread and butter. We can do the fix and flip loans like everybody else does, you know, 80% purchase price, 100% rehab dollars. We can do all that stuff. But our, our niche, I think, is, is more along the lines of the loans that a lot of people won't do. Like you mentioned, you know, the super high end, you know, $20 million loans. We have no limits on our budgets. You know, those are few and far between. But right now, actually this week, we're closing two, potentially three, $5 million plus deals. Properties are $8 million. You know, so we can do a lot of the high-end stuff that a lot of people should shy away from. We can do uh, ground-up construction. We can do developments. If you're looking to develop, you know, buy some land and put up 15 apartment buildings or 15 condos, we can do it. We can do that. Hospitality, hotels, restaurants, you know, retirement communities, retirement homes, you name it. We have a source and my partnerships with different family offices that we have can, can structure all those deals. Love it. So you're doing rentals as well and long-term, short-term, Airbnb. We can do long-term. Mobile home parks. We can do mobile home parks. Yeah, we do long-term and we can, yeah, we exactly. Do it all, man. I love that. We we do. And that's what we try to pride ourselves on is is having having different sources that, you know, I pull the money from different places where, where we can put together some good stuff. You know, one of the things that we do right now, which I know maybe not sound like a great thing, but in the private money, hard money world, it is. We can do bridge loans up to 80% purchase price on a purchase, yeah. right? 80% loan of value with 20% down. I mean, normally you're looking at 30, 35% is what most hard money guys are looking for. I can close a purchase with 20% down in five days and we do them all the time, right? And that what that does is I know one of the things you were talking about in one of your episodes was you know how to present your offers to be able to get them accepted in this market, yeah. right? It's a difficult market where everybody's making offers. Yeah. So most of my clients know that I can close in five days. They're offering no contingencies, you know, and and then to make an all cash offer. Yeah. Um, because I, yeah, you know, I have right. Yeah, I have funds accepted. that I'll provide for them. You know, we can close in literally. We close in five days. I I did a deal last month and the month before. I closed it in forty eight hours, start to finish. Yeah, I love that. So talk to me. Which areas are you focusing on? Do you guys do nationwide, nationwide. or is it just nationwide? Okay, love that. Yeah. So. Yeah, we, we do like to we do like to stay away from. I say this to people, and sometimes it's like, "Well, you're from California." We like to stay away from the rural areas for lending purposes, just because we don't know those markets very well. It's hard to get appraisals. It's hard to get any services that we need. It's very difficult for us because we're because we are in California, you know. But sometimes I tell people, "Hey, that property in Alabama, you know, we consider that rural," and they're like, "No, it's not. You know, this is where I grew up. This is my hometown. It's not rural." Yeah. And they kind of get offended. There's about but, 300 people there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Dang, man. It's like, and I'm like, they're like, yeah, it's going to take have, a, a week. Same. It's going to take like two weeks to get like basic paperwork back. And, yeah. you know, people move a little bit slower in certain areas. Yeah. I hear you. But California, yeah, we got a We're like, we need this now. Let's go. That's it. It's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Uh, cool. So I, I want to dive into, you know, the typical learning curves that you see with uh, some investors. But before that, do you mind just breaking down like that $22 million flip of like who the investor or like how his situation came into play, why they chose you instead of other people and just what the process looked like? Yeah. So that was an interesting transaction. So that was a property up in Hollywood Hills, 
Um, say the least, very interesting. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. Very you know what? And, and those are the deals that to me, they're, they're fun because I still have a passion for the real estate. I still have a passion for the properties. I love walking properties, especially properties like that. You know, I've walked some amazing, amazing properties. This one was an interesting one. So this investor, full-time investor, I mean, they do, I won't say their names, but they're very well, very well known. They do a ton, a ton of property in Beverly Hills, Malibu, Hollywood Hills. That's their market, right? They just do the high, super, super high-end stuff. Yeah. He bought, I think it was like the original price. It was like six and a half million dollar home in Hollywood Hills, which was new construction. It had just been built and he bulldozed it. He demoed so, the whole thing, huh? Yeah. Just six and a half million dollar property, demoed it, you know? And then like, I don't like the design. I want to build something better. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's exactly what it was. And then he spent the next, I want to say almost three years building this, this, this amazing property, 20,000 square feet, the overlooking the Canyon views of LA, downtown LA views of the ocean. I mean, you name it, it had the views. I mean, this house had, you know, things brought in from Italy, you know, designer wallpaper, designer, I mean, the designer stuff, like when I talk, speak designer, not the stuff that you look at, find at Home Depot, stuff yeah. that it's like, oh, I didn't know, you know, Chanel Louis made, Vuitton made, you know, yeah, yeah. I was like, I didn't wallpaper. know Louis Vuitton made, made wallpaper. They do, yeah. like, you yeah. know, and it's like stuff like that. It was just, I mean, decked out. I mean, gotta have the right connects out. for that. That's, <laughs> that's yeah. connections. Yeah. Literally, literally decked out. And then, so, you know, we do, what we do a lot of this is uh, recapitalize loans, right? So he obviously self-funded some of it, but had some construction loans to build a house, was into it for, I don't remember what the numbers were, was, you know, by the time all this was done, he was into it for about 19, $20 million that he was, had spent already on the property, including the acquisition. Loans were coming due, needs to recap because, you know, you know, these hard money loans or however he had it, two, two, two-year loans, three-year loans, whatever the case is. So I was lucky to come in when the property was pretty much done. It was 90% done, needed some landscaping, needed some minor stuff to be finished. Uh, so we helped them recap the loans to get the rest of the money to finish and then money to market the property. But, you know, deals like that, it's one of the things that I always, the guidance that I always tell people is knowing your exit strategy, because I'm going to call you on that. That's my biggest thing when I analyze a deal like that. It's, it's what is the property worth when you're done realistically? Right. And, and, you know, in a situation like this, this, this gentleman was like, oh, that property is worth 50 million. It's going to be worth $50 million. Right. We did our numbers. We looked at it and I'm like, it's not $50 million. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I you know, I know you want it to be, but it's I know not, you want so, it to be. Yeah. And he was like, okay, we'll settle. He goes, you know, 42. Settle at 15. <laughs> no, no. He said 42, $43 million. Yeah. And, you know, and I was like, look, that, it could be right in that market. It's, you never know. It's, you've got to find the right buyer. My number was more along the lines of like 34, 35 million, which at that case, everybody's still making money, right? Everybody's yeah. there's still, it's still a very profitable deal, but he was like, Nope. He was like, Nope, it's going to sell for 42, $43 million. You know, fast forward year and a half later, sold for $36 million. So, yeah. you know, look, still made a ton of money. Everybody yeah. came out, everybody, you know, did, did well on it. But I always tell people it's, you know, it's be aware of your numbers, be aware of the exit, right? Be aware of what it's going to take and, and know also your thresholds to say, look, once it hits this point, you know, that's it. I'm out. Yeah. It right? is because, you know, you can't get greedy about certain things because then you hold it too long and something happens and, and you never know. Yeah. So that was, I mean, before he came to you, he was holding it for about three years. Did yeah, the he was into it for about two and a half, close to three years at, at that point. 
And then once he actually partnered up with you, you know, on the lending side, it was about a year later. About a year of he, he, I think it was like two or three months left of finishing it, and then and then like nine months of marketing, nine months to a year of marketing the property okay, well, to, to get it sold. Yeah, yeah, big numbers, man, big numbers. Very exciting at the end of the day, just like hearing those are exciting. Those are those are few and far between, you know. Yeah, like we do the you know three hundred thousand dollar deals all day long, the five hundred thousand yeah. dollar deals all day long, and I get excited about those too, you know. Of course, yeah. And at the end of the day, this is something really good for the listeners because at the end of the day, it's all numbers. And I used to be guilty of this as well, starting off over in Ohio, investing over there, because I tried for two years out here in San Diego, but I was going against real investors that did all cash, no contingencies, $50,000 you know, hard right away. Stuff that we do now to be very competitive and get our offers accepted. But jumping into the lower markets, you know, where prices our cheapest property we purchased was $5,000, you know, it's a big difference, right? So, and it's yeah. easier to wrap your head around, but once you get comfortable and you know your numbers and you know, you got confidence in the process, then whether you're talking about a $5,000, you know, property or a 5 million or $22 million property, you know, it's like that ends up selling for 36, like it's all numbers. So just, you know, knowing your numbers, being confident in them, and being realistic. Knowing your numbers and also knowing your process, right? Like you said, it's because if you can duplicate something that you did on a $10,000 house, yep. you know, then you work your way up, right? That's and right. that's okay. That's part of the business. It is. It's part of the process. I love that. That's yeah. so good. So let's talk about people that come to you that the deals don't work out. And then I want to hear about your rates, if you don't mind. But I want to, I want to, you know, somebody that's brand new, doesn't know what the hell they're doing or Maybe you get that a lot, maybe not, but what have you seen over the years in your experience that are just learning curves that's like, hey man, I want to work with you, but whatever, the numbers aren't working, you know, maybe your documents, uh, anything that you could give, maybe a step-by-step or just learning curves in general that. Yeah. So, you know, we, we actually do, we work with a lot of first-time investors. You know, I got plugged into some, one of the, a couple of the real estate flipping schools you know, and they're teaching people to do it. So I, you know, they're, I'm one of the referral sources. So they refer, you know, business out to us. So you're very patient. You're very patient and kind because you know, I, you're having a lot of people. I, yes. I, and I think because I do have the ability to be able to walk some people through that and I'm not just going to turn them away. You know, I want to see people succeed, right? I mean, that's, that's the ultimate goal in life is, is, you know, to build something, but not just for myself, but to be able to share that knowledge, share the with information with people. Cause you know, why not? Why, you know, there's plenty of properties out there and we can all make money. And, you know, not only that, if I help somebody do well on the, on the property, they're going to come back to us for more. Right. So to me, it makes, makes more sense. Right. I, I love where your heart's at. That's so smart. Yeah. yeah. It does take some handholding at times. Right. So, but yeah, what, what I tell people is again, know your numbers, get things in writing, you know, you'd be surprised and be able to come to me and they've said, look, you know, I'm going to buy this house for hundred thousand. I'm going to put in 20 grand into it. And my ARV is 200,000. And I'm like, okay, well, it makes sense. How did you come up with that $20,000 number? Well, I just kind of ballparked it, right? It's like, okay, yeah. you know, right. It, it's find out, get a, get a bid from your contractor. Know exactly what it is. Because I had a guy who was doing one and with just within our 15 day escrow period, the contractor changed his bid three times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's like, oh, wrong contractor to use. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, oh, it's the cost of materials went up. And I'm like, not by $35,000, yeah. you know? And, and I'll cover the materials if needed. You just price me out on labor, you know? And, and it was, so it was like, no, know, know that, right? No, you know, uh, one of the biggest things too is, is that I, I always recommend it to people is 
if you are going to hire contractors and stuff, your pay structure to them, you know, what kind of contract are, you know, are you, are you fronting them the money? Are they getting paid uh, net 30? You know, how is your pay structure with your contractors? Because, you know, if you're smart, you can create a contract with your contractor where you're not paying them for, you know, say 30 or 60 days after completion of the project. And if you do it right, you potentially already sold your property. Oh, so yeah. You never came out of pocket to pay your contractor. Yeah, that's the best. That's very creative. I also, a tip that I famously give on a regular basis that helps a lot, of, especially if you're new, just getting started, paying your contractors with a credit card is going to save you in so many ways because it's really, it's like the mini court case without actually having to file the documents and like go into court. God forbid, if they don't do the work, run off with your yeah. money. It's not as agreed in the detailed scope of work. Make sure that it, you know you have this outlined and the before and after pictures pretty clear to you know to dispute this and have them defend themselves as well. It gives them the opportunity, but they usually don't if they know that they're in the wrong and you know will step up to the plate to make it right. So I encourage people to use those platforms as well. Byron, do you mind you know spilling some of the details on some of the rates? And what to expect when utilizing you guys. You guys are, you already mentioned you can close quickly, which I love. I, I can appreciate, especially in a market like this, to be competitive when there's 20 plus offers on the table, you got to close quickly. So that's awesome that you guys do that. What type of rates can we anticipate? And this is nationwide, um, so it might it might switch up a little bit. Depends on it, your, it does, your it does. And, and and depends on the product, right? Like I'll tell yeah. you, you know, we're doing, you know, if you want to do like a like a long-term rental property, you know, we're doing one right now in Miami, 4.99%, 30-year fixed, right? So, you know, we have that. If you're also going super hard money bridge, I need to close in three or four days, 20% down, you're going to be in the nines, yep. right? That's just kind of the reality of the market. Your typical fix and flip kind of for investors, you're, we do base ourselves, our pricing model is based a lot off of experience. Yeah, good. Right, if this is your first one, your rate's going to be higher. You know, if, if you've done, you know, a lot and you know what you're doing, when I say a lot, I mean, uh, we're looking for five flips in the last three years is usually kind of the, the benchmark that we're looking for. If you've done that in the last three years, you're going to be, you know, low to mid sevens for a fix and flip deal. If you don't have the experience, you're going to be in the mid to high eights. So, you know, it's kind of all over the place. You know, you know, there's a couple of factors, credit plays a little factor and not a huge factor for us. We're more collateral based than the collaterals there, the experience, your exit strategy, you know, your numbers, you know, we'll, we'll take a little bit more of a risk on that. Okay. So you judge more on the property base versus the person, but at the same time, you want to see experience. You do um, a personal guarantee with them. So if it's your first couple, yes. You know, yeah, personal yeah, guarantee. Course. If, you know, I've, I have long-term clients that, you know, do 10 a year. You know, they're coming back, you know, we know they're coming back. We know, look, I mean, that our money's good as golden, you know, it's good. It's going to turn around and it's, and this is, this is their business and they're good at it. Yeah. Good. And then um, as far as points go, what does that typically look like? Experience uh, again, again, it depends, depends on the pricing model. We're usually um, at about one and a half to two points on every deal, depending on transaction, depending on down payments, depending, depending on credit, depending on our risk, risk analysis of you. And then for credit wise, what does that look like? Um, what are deal breakers that you're like, hey man, you got issues? <laughs> Honestly, not much. Okay. We do usually look for at least a 650 FICO score is what is kind of what our, our, our benchmark. Anything above 650, better. And I do have, you know, we'll do some stuff that are below 650, but that's just, just risk based, you know, risk, that's a higher risk situation. 
you know, we'll do stuff that's NOE. Sure. You know, yeah, there's additional taxes that come into play when you're you're a higher risk. Just know yeah. that, guys. No, I mean, well, because like we'll do stuff that people are in OD and we'll do bailouts. You know, we'll we'll get them out of foreclosure to you know to to save these properties. So obviously, you know, it's going to cost more money. Yeah, and you know, selfish plug here, but at the end of the day, I'm I'm confident that we can help people on it. So if if you guys are in you know a tough situation with your credit profile, you don't need to settle for the six fifties or five hundreds. We can get you to the eight hundred club fairly quickly. So you can always reach out at creditrepairmobile.com to be able to inquire about that and see your situation and and see how we can actually best suit you and and boost up your score. So you're less of a risk and and position yourself better to the lenders. But Byron, man, I love this conversation. I'm, I'm excited where you are today. Where does the future, you know, it sounds bright for you guys, but what do you have lined up? What kind of goals, anything that me or the audience could do to give back to you? Well, no, yeah, definitely. Uh, we're we're still building, you know, still building this business, right? And and to me, it's it's a labor of love and what we're put into it and and what we're doing. But we do have some big things coming up. You know, it's a I'll now my turn to do my selfish plug a little bit. You know, we just recently received SEC approval to create. Yeah, I know that's a it's a big deal. It's a real it big is. deal. Uh, yeah, congratulations, you know, so brother. That's awesome. Yeah, that's appreciate huge. our early early first quarter next year. We're getting ready to launch our first actual JSS Capital Partners Fund. You know, we're going out and raising $50 million to be able to lend out with some of the lending parameters that I've created for our clients, but not only that, but for acquisition, you know, to go out and acquire. Uh, we're focused more on the commercial side, acquisitions, you know, big hospitalities, hotels, restaurants, shopping centers, warehouses, that more industrial type. That's what, you know, but lots of long-term hold. But what, what excites me the most about that fund is, you know, yes, it's a huge deal and it's a it's a big opportunity for us to get into play with the big boys, if you will, a little bit. Yeah. Next level, man. That's what it's it about. is. It is. You know, but the thing that excites me the most about it is that our investment thresholds that we're create that we put in place are a lot lower than what a lot of these other private placement funds are out there. You know, most of them are looking for accredited investors. You have to have a net worth of a million dollars, excluding your primary residence. So these funds, a lot of times traditionally have been made for the wealthy, the people who have money to invest in this stuff, you know, and then they just keep getting wealthier, right? We've been able to apply for some exemptions to be able to get some lower those thresholds so that we can open the doors to a lot of the younger first time investors, people who, you know, say, Hey, look, you know, I've been saving up and I got 50 grand that I like to put in something. And I don't, I know it's not enough to go out and buy an apartment building or buy a storage warehouse or something to that nature, but I can invest with this fund and get, you know, 12, 13, 14% annual return on my money, all the while being part of something bigger and being able to, to build this on this wealth where, like I said, traditionally, it's only been for the uber wealthy, right? People who have, can show on paper a net worth of at least a million dollars, you know, and that excludes a lot of people. So I'm excited to, able because one of the, my passions is you know the youth and the younger generation and being able to empower them and and show them that there's an ability to to make some money and set up some opportunities for some generational wealth that you can do without having to go out and be the guy who's flipping the properties because maybe that's not your strong suit right you know without you know necessarily just putting it in a 401k you know to earn your you know four and a half percent interest on it and you're not going to get anywhere right so it, it's that's I'm, we're really 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 excited about it you know, we're approved, fully approved. And, you know, we're working on some marketing stuff and we're going to get ready to launch early first quarter of 2022. So we're really excited about that. I love it, man. I love where your heart's at and just empowering, you know, the younger generation, educating them, 
setting them up for success, really. And the average, you know, middle class, right? You know, to get up to that, to get to that next level. So there's a lot of power within that. So kudos to you, brother. I'm really excited uh, for the hard work that you put into this point to be where you're at today. And it's only sky's the limit. You know, it, it's really coming up a lot of growth for you guys. So very, very exciting. Thank We're going to have to have you back in the future to, to see what the update is. But for anybody out there that wants to connect more with you, and I apologize, I don't actually think we actually covered like the name of the company in case they, okay. they want to reach out. But how can people actually get a hold of you, the company, your resources in general? Perfect. Yeah. So my company is called JSS Financial. So they can reach us online at www.jssfinancial.net on all the social media platforms at JSS Financial. Me as an individual for coaching, mentoring, speaking, investments, anything that, that we do, I'm at byronenriquez.com or on the socials at, at the casual executive. Let's go. I love it. Well, I appreciate you so much, Byron, for diving in, taking an hour out of your day to be able to give back to the listeners. I love where your heart's at and where you're going. So I appreciate you for really showing you know, what it was like to be the investor to now being the bank and helping out so many investors in the process. So guys, I encourage you above and beyond, reach out to this gentleman, connect with him, use him as a resource and grow your business partnering up with Byron. With that being said, if you guys want to connect with me, you can always do so on social media platforms like Instagram. It's Brandon Elliott Investments. Otherwise, facebook.com forward slash Brandon Elliott Investor. If you need any credit repair done services for you, you can always reach out at creditrepairmobile.com. Otherwise, if you're looking to get educated, how the banks and lenders are judging you, how to fix your own credit very quickly, I'm talking hours up to 10 business days. Um, even bankruptcies in some cases in less than 30 days, legitimate stuff that should be on there, wiping it off. Um, and then being able to build up credit personal, get you up to the 800 club. So you qualify for everything, get the best rates, doing mass supplies, getting 20, 30 credit cards at once and uh, several hundred thousand in credit lines, business credit up to a million in a year, and then being able to leverage it, putting it to work. Then you can always check out Credit Council Elite, creditcounselelite.com. That's our mastermind group, our education, our platform, and would love to see if it's a good fit for you guys. So with that being said, Byron, you are the man. I appreciate you really so much. And we will, we will tune in and see you guys on the very next episode. God bless. Thank you. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.